back to yet another episode of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens. And you can find me every Monday right here on AdrenalineRadio.com, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, where we go behind the lens and below the lines, taking a look at films big and small and talking with directors, writers, producers, cinematographers, composers, production designers, costumers, you name it, we'll talk to them. Uh, and you can find my movie reviews and interviews in print and online 24-7 in the U.S. and abroad. Um, and I, of course, always on BehindTheLensOnline.net. Uh, so, welcome, welcome. We're already into the second week of June. Of course, the big news around the country is the fact that most schools are now out. You know, as I was driving into the studio today, I kept thinking of that that wonderfully famous rhyme of no more pencils, no more books, no more teachers, dirty looks. Well, now that you're not in school, you can check out a lot more movies this summer, and there are plenty of them uh, for you. And if you want to hear some of my picks and an overview of summer releases, I teamed up with uh, my good friend George Pinocchio of ABC7 here in Los Angeles, and you can go to George's podcast of Off the Red Carpet and take a listen to our show on summer releases. But right now, today, we've got a lot happening today. Uh, number one, for anybody wa listening, you can also watch the live stream on Facebook on the AdrenalineRadio.com Facebook page. It's nothing spectacular to see. It's just me sitting here talking. But you can see all this beautiful, beautiful swag on our tablescape. Thank you, thank you, Disney and Marvel. Uh, and a reminder to everybody, Captain Marvel, available tomorrow, which is why we have Goose sitting front and center. And, of course, Captain Marvel in her Star Force uniform. Uh, so, big show today. Kind of, it's a big show to me because of the what we're going to be talking about. Um, last week, we, uh, you heard from Ron Howard uh, in our exclusive pre-recorded interview talking about Pavarotti, which is in theaters now, people. Uh, see it, see it, see it. Um, today, you're going to hear from Ron again. Uh, you're also going to hear from his brother, Clint, because we're taking a look at Dances with Films Film Festival today. Uh, Dances with Films is now... In its 22nd year this year, uh, it's held at the TCL Chinese Theater 6 Complex in the heart of Hollywood at Hollywood and Highland. And it runs from June 13th to the 23rd. Dances with Films is truly a celebration of independent film. Um, the Most film festivals, as anybody out there knows, uh, who picks up any edition of Entertainment Weekly or soon-to-be Entertainment Weekly Monthly. Uh, that was big news coming down the pike uh, on Friday. Uh, the Entertainment Weekly now becomes a monthly, so we don't know what that's going to do with the title. Um, but you think about Toronto, you think about Sundance, you think about, uh, uh, yeah, about some of the other festivals, even L.A. Film Festival uh, when we had it uh, before it met its untimely demise uh, this past fall. And there are always big celebrity names attached. Big filmmakers. The Ava DuVernay's. Uh, the Barry Jenkins. 
um, you're going to see a lot of their films popping up in these festivals. Um, the beauty of Dances with Films is low budget, no budget, micro budget, and most of these filmmakers are first-time filmmakers. Um, a lot of the, of the talent that are in these films, you may or may not have heard of them. Uh, in many cases, you will have heard of quite a few of them, uh, but they might not necessarily be uh, a George Clooney-type name. Uh, there are many, fil many films that have come out of DWF that I absolutely love and filmmakers whom, I'm whom I adore. Uh, one of whom is David Palomaro, who's had a couple films in the fest. Uh, Michael David Lynch, another one, Kevin Good. Kevin's been here on the show. David's been on the show. Michael's been on the show. And multiple others. And the festival really is a great showcase for the independent film, uh, for the innovation, the creativity, and in many instances, real guerrilla film, guerrilla style filmmaking. Um, over the years, the festival has grown. So now there's dances with kids and there are web series categories and uh, the, the variety of categories that Dances with Films presents is, is amazing. Experimental films. You'll see quite a few interesting, over the years there have been some very interesting uh, films. You know, this year, uh, 200 titles. 200 titles were selected from 3,700 submissions from 11 countries. Uh, the narrative competition, 16 features, three dozen shorts. And I have to tell you, I've, I have been lucky enough to be looking at some of the films that are going to be in Dances with Films. And there are some real winners already that I highly recommend you check out. As I said, the festival starts Thursday, June 13th. There are tickets available, and it runs through June 23rd. So all you have to do is go to Dances with Film, uh, just Google Dances with Film, it'll take you to the website, and you can get tickets. But some of my picks already uh, for Dances with Films, 90 Feet from Home from director Brett Brentman, this is an, it's a wonderful, wonderful film. It stars WWE legend Shawn Michaels. Eric Roberts pops up. I think Eric Roberts has popped up in the past eight or nine films, indie films that I have seen. Dean Cain, uh, Superman from Lois and Clark. Uh, Dean Cain is in it. And it's a story of a former uh, Major League Baseball player who comes home and has to deal with his past. Uh, and it's a really interesting character study, very well acted. Um, Brett actually is going to be on the show, uh, I think next week, Brett is going to be on the show. Um, so I'm looking forward, and I'm looking forward to seeing him at the festival. But that's one of my first, first big picks. Another one, Blowing Up Right Now, is going to be a DWF. Um, a couple, they've got their fifth anniversary coming up, and... Yeah, everybody thinks everything is fine and well and good, but maybe it isn't. But all of a sudden, there is a ballistic missile inbound for Los Angeles. What happens when they can't leave their house and they're there together and they have to reconnect with each other? Uh, 
one that I dearly love. It's a film driven. It is a dark comedy horror with some thriller in there. Deals with a rideshare driver. Uh, there's mystery. There's all kinds of fun stuff. Um, there are some jump out of your seat moments. Driven is a good one to check out. Another fun one that has horror with surrealism. It's very similar to a David Lynch. Uh, or even his wonderful daughter, Jennifer Chambers Lynch. Wowzers is another interesting, fun film with darkness to it. Um, you got other films, The Portal, The Sympathy Card, Full Dress, The Land. Uh, about, and this one is a very powerful film about the death of the American family farm. And it focuses on one aging family farm. It's a narrative, but... It deals a lot with Americana, and that's that's so big and so important to so many people in this day and age, and I I recommend that one as well. And then there's another great one, Where We Disappear, a survival story about a young mother uh, waiting for the return of her husband from World War II, and she's deported to a gulag prison camp. Uh, so this is her story. And again, this is a narrative. These are some of my picks that I've already taken a look at and that I really, really recommend. Uh, a fun one is Would You Like to Try Again? Uh, women gaming with 8-bit color. So all you gamers out there are going to understand that. And it's about a young girl who's lost her mother and uses gaming as a coping mechanism to deal with this loss. So... It's heartfelt, it's sincere, it's adorable, uh, and you will need tissues. Uh, closing out the festival is Full Dress. I haven't seen it, but it looks interesting. Is it a play? Is it a film about a play or a play that turns into a film? Uh, so that one I actually have on my yet-to-be-seen list. But one that I've mentioned it before, and we're going to talk about it right now, Appleseed. Appleseed opens Dances with Films on Thursday night at 8 o'clock at the Man's Chinese, at the TCL Chinese 6. I still call it Man's. It will always and forever be Man's to us old timers. Um, it's Appleseed. Uh, writer and director Michael Worth. Uh, and it stars in his first starring role of his storied career, Rance Howard. Uh, many of you know Rance passed away uh, back in November. This is, uh, but for I think two small character appearances uh, in one or two films yet to come out, this is his final feature film. And I got to tell you, it's a wonderful film. Adding to the poignancy of the film at the, uh, because of the fact that Rance has passed is the fact that his son Clint Howard is in the film and plays his estranged son. And watching the two of them bring tissues, bring tissues, bring tissues. Um, our special guest today at the half hour mark is going to be writer, director, and co-star Michael Worth. So I can't wait to talk to Michael. But before Michael joins us... Um, there are two people that I want you to hear from that I spoke with each of them exclusively. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Ron 
and be the one to tell Ron that his dad's final film would open, Dances with Films. And then I spoke with Clint. I spoke with Clint for two hours, people. Okay. (laughs) It was tough culling down our conversation to fit into this show. So first, let me let you take a listen to what Ron Howard had to say about Appleseed, Michael Worth, Rance Howard, and Clint Howard. I got to see Appleseed. Oh, no kidding. The publicist who's handling it. Yes. I had said, and she said, Mm -hmm. you have to, Debbie, you have to cover this film. You Mm -hmm. have to cover Mm -hmm. this film. You of all people. I said, all right, get it to me. She goes, well, it's not quite finished yet. Right. But, and they haven't made the announcement yet, but I happen to know it's going to be the opening night gala dances with films next month here in L.A. No kidding. No kidding, Ron. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that is fantastic. I love that director. He's a great guy, Michael. Very talented. He's made a lot of these little micro-budget movies. And, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it, I, was, I saw a longer version. I know he's edited mm-hmm. it a bit, but he wanted to show all of us one it's version. It's 206 right now. He, he, all, he, he showed us one version that was 50, 10 minutes longer than that, at yeah. least. And he said he wanted to show everything that my dad did. And so, of course, he had to trim it down. But, uh, but it was very moving. And, uh, you know, and, it, and it's, it, it's, it's fascinating that um, and this is one of the great things about being an actor is that his work just kept getting better and he kept getting better and better parts as he got older and more interesting to people yeah. and so this lifelong kind of uh, day player a few lines here a few, suddenly gets so a he, showcase like that he's you know a lead he is yeah. the yeah. the yeah. film and yeah. the dialogue for him and the yeah. way he delivers yeah. it Ron yeah. oh, just yeah. and you're listening to and you feel his life, Rance's life experience yeah. behind yeah. Carl. You know, he learned only recently, like two years before, maybe a year before, to really trust improv. Mm-hmm. And Michael brought that out of him and allowed him to improv and work the lines a little bit more because he was always such a dutiful mm-hmm. character actor. You know, I'm yeah. just going to say the lines that they gave me. And as he got a little older, people started encouraging him and he learned to trust it. Uh, and and so I think you know he's not that guy in Appleseed. That's not his nature. He wasn't that sort of free spirit. Uh, he had he didn't have those disappointments in his life where he mm-hmm. let anybody down. But what a great scene between my brother Clint and him. Oh my god! And that's like such a gift that my brother got to have that oh. scene with him. I was you know? I cried through that whole scene. Isn't that a beautiful scene? That's um, amazing. Yeah. And Clint will not look at him. Yeah. He yeah. will not yeah. lift his yeah. head and yeah. look at yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. keeps looking this way. Yeah. And it's really oh I'm so glad you like the film oh, my and God, uh, it means a lot to me I mean I, uh, that's great to hear and it's funny because when I the publicist when, when Kim told me and she goes I'm telling you nobody else knows this wow. she goes you can tell Ron wow I said well, fine that's great I mean I'm never going to be able to get here because I'm going to be in the middle of shooting but I'm going to try to let the family know and yeah get it, there. that's going to be the opening night gala for wow. Dances with oh, Films next month wow wow so and where will that screen where do they screen Dances with Films is down at the Man's Complex in Hollywood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They take up all the the six upstairs. Wow. They don't do the big Chinese, but right. they have the six upstairs. Wow, 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 that is so, great. Yeah. So. I'm happy for Michael. The guy's a talented guy, you know, and and, uh, and he's ma- he makes one movie after another. He's like his... his I know. He's like a... He would have been a Roger Corman director in the old in the days. Only he's making character movies, you know, yeah. and I really re- appreciate it. Yeah, and it looks beautiful, too. Yeah. And, you know, it's micro-budget. <sighs> micro 
unbelievable. That's more and more I'm seeing because that's my big bailiwick are these smaller films. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to show love and encouragement, yeah, or give them an honest opinion about where they, where they need, are, where yeah. they need to, to what they <laughs> yeah. need to work on. Yeah, yeah. And after 32 years of doing this, yeah, I'm not afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. And so, well, I'm, thanks for telling me that. That's oh, great to know. God. And you can hear the excitement in Ron's voice. That number one, somebody saw the film. But number two, the pride for his dad and his brother. And I have to say that as he was talking about what it meant for Clint to to be in the film opposite their dad, um, you could tell he was a little bit wistful. And that's something he never got to do. He directed his father, but he never got to star opposite him. But now let's hear from Clint. And by the way, Clint Howard will be there Thursday night at the at the uh, dan- at dances with films, and he will bar- be participating in the Q and A after the screening. But uh, take a look at all of these gems that Clint had to say about the film, about his dad, lessons learned from his dad. I think you'll enjoy it. I have to tell you, Clint. The other week, the publicist for Appleseed reached out to me out of the blue, and she goes, "I'm repping this. No one has seen it. It's not even a final cut. You have to see this film." And I go, "Kim, oh my God, yeah, I want to see this film, especially since I was talking to Ron like four days later." That's right. You did Pavarotti, didn't you? I did Pavarotti. And I and she goes, oh, my God, I'll get you the link. So I watched the film. I got to say, the film Appleseed just blew me away. And when I went to sit down with Ron, he was so it's like first we talked about Bryce because I had just seen Rocket Man the night before and he hadn't seen Rocket Man yet. Oh, is she in it? She isn't. She plays Elton John's mother. Oh, really? Well, good for her. I, it's am- she's amazing in it. And her, She's pretty good. And her accent, her British accent, is so good in the film. Uh-huh. Uh, but then we went, so I'm listening to Proud Dad Ron talk. But then I say, well, you know, but then there's Appleseed. And he got all excited. And he's like, oh, no kidding. You saw it? You saw it? I got to be the one to tell him it was going to be the opening night film for Dances with Films. Ah. And I have to tell you, I think Ron is just a little bit jealous about the scenes—the scenes you got to do with your dad. He—he oh, he brought that up, and he never, he never got a chance to really do that with dad. No, he didn't. He directed him, but he never really got to act with him—not in a serious manner. And for this film, I mean, Clint, this has to, especially in twenty twenty hindsight. It has to mean the world to you to get to play the role you have as, you know, as Carl's son, albeit estranged. I I, I immediately was, you know, this guy, Michael, you know, these are these are little micro movies. These these movies are not, you know, funded by by people that have a lot of resources to go back and fix or. You know, I mean, there's a there's a limit. They start pulling the trigger, and bullets fly for about 15 days. You know, yeah. And I enjoy that, and but I also am a little leery and skeptical of people that are trying to get little tiny movies made. So I was a, I heard about this for a while, and I was a little standoffish, only because I just said I want to wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I want to get my hopes up. 
And then when it came together, you know, Pop was getting old. Pop was start. I mean, you know, I, I have a couple of moments that were sad working on the movie. But getting a chance to work with him um, and, and getting to really do something that was, it wasn't our, you know, it wasn't our relationship. You know, Dad was with me. I, I, I know Dad better than anybody ever because I was with him. You know, he, I, was, I was on his leg my entire life. Mm-hmm. And he, he mentored me. He guided me. He let me go. Um, you know, he's, he wasn't a big, he wasn't a big advice guy, but the times he did say things, it was like in, with just a little bit of distance, I went, wow, that was really, really sharp. He's, this guy's dialed in and, and then getting to work with him. The sad part is, you know, dad was always Mr. Prepared. And that was, you know, Ron and I both, when we were under his tutelage, um, first it was Ron, and then when I came along, you know, Ron, you know, Dad kind of looked after, looked after me mostly. Still paid attention to Ron, but you know, um, it, was, it was homework, homework, homework. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so we were prepared. We were we were little kids that knew our lines better than the adults. And um, Dad was I, I I heard when the first time I heard Ram. Um, you need to move the, the, your, your script out of the shot. It's in the shot. No, got to go a little further, a little further. And what Dad was having to do was keep the script right near him because he was starting to forget. Oh. And, you know, that was, I mean, listen, I, we all know that Father Time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. But Dad punched Father Time in the nose. And But Father Time, I think, finally came and got him. Well, and, uh, uh- you know, so and, and, and he did exactly what he wanted to do. And Ron and I were so grateful the way the last part of his life unfolded. Because after mom died, you know, he found Judy. He had a 16-year marriage with Judy. Um, he worked. He signed out. He didn't know any looping. And then he fell ill. Mm-hmm. It's, not like, it's not like he fell ill in the middle of a shoot and it screwed everything up. Right. You know, he... He signed out, and um, and and then it was time. Yeah. So so anyway, I and yes, it was. A, and I'm really glad. I like Michael, and I you know I would love to work with him again, and I I think I probably will because I think we get along. Um, and you know he knows how to shoot fast. He knows quality. Um, because it's because it's so the budget's so limited. There's things you have to trust. You have to you have to accept the fact you're not going to get all the coverage you want to get, and you're not going to get all the takes. And and you know he's good with that. Mm-hmm. And he's got unless he's just faking it, he comes off as a man who's got the confidence that what he's getting is going to work. And you know, I, hey, I'll tell you what, another person who absolutely kicked butt in this is Robbie. Robbie yes. Benson was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Now I couldn't I couldn't rehearse with Dad. We oh. tried one time before he left because it was a, it was an Odyssey movie and it started in Arizona and it ends up they ended up shooting in Vermont. And uh, um, Dad and I, you know, we got together one day before he left, and I couldn't do the scene with him. I mean, it was too I, it was emotional, and I I basically had it, but I didn't want to do it because 
you know, every time I every time I would do it, it would get a little more pat, a little more, you know, the fresher the better. So Dad understood, and and Dad knew it too. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, so anyway, we didn't. Dad and I didn't have a chance to do a lot of rehearsal, which you know broke his cardinal rule when we were growing up about doing all the preparation and all the homework. Uh, to be honest, there wasn't a lot of homework. I knew my stuff, and uh, I knew it was. I had a couple of great speeches. Yes, you know, and uh, it, it it worked out really well. And I'm glad. I, you know, I made those. I made the choices. There are choices I made about having a bad back and having a spasm, and and you know those kind of things. That I, you know, those are, those are sort of things that when you come up with them, you know, and the director accepts them then you're kind of on the hook. They better work. Yeah. Well, you know, Ron and I actually talked about, at length, about the scene, uh, the big scene between you and your dad. Yeah. And one of the first things that Ron said was that, and I'm quoting quoting Ron for you, it's such a gift that my brother got to have that scene with him. Um, Yeah. And he was actually getting very emotional as we were talking about the scene because we both commented at the same time how never... Do you ever look into Carl's face? You don't do it. No, you know what? No one would. You realize the conflict in Huey's head? Yep. And, you know, once he strikes the attitude of, I always said I was going to blow you off, and now I'm going to blow you off. I mean, it, it would be so easy to have that moment where he's longingly looking into his eyes. And yet, that's not the way the guy would be. No. He was happy-go-lucky when he was talking to Prince. And then he sees this old man and basically, you know, no, don't have any eyes. Here's your hat. What's your hurry? You know. I, and, and it was just, it was. First of all, what a great op- I mean, I, it is. it was a gift. It was a gift. And I would have been very, very comfortable living my life and having Dad pass without having played a dramatic moment with him. Um, I, you know, because, listen, our, our moments together had been far away from a movie screen. Mm-hmm. Our moments together that you will never know were so pure, and he is, there is no way he was my dad. Yeah. I mean, the milkman must have come and visited. <laughs> um, because it, it, it he does think... His, the unselfishness that he showed and the character that he maintained for my entire life. He never was, he never got bit out of shape unless it was the, once in a while towards me or some other thing, you know, he would get angry. But man, he, he, he kept his head and he knew to lean into it when it got a little painful. And uh, let me tell you a, a quick little story. You know, my, my first memory of Dad was he was taking apart a little playhouse that had dilapidated in this house that he had bought for the family. And uh, I, I was being babysat. I must have been two, two and a half years old. I, I don't remember. I, I remember the moment. But, um, you know, so anyway, he was using a crowbar to pull this, this playhouse down and take all the nails out, and, you know. And... Damn it, if that crowbar doesn't pop up and, and hit him in the tongue. <gasps> Ooh. Now, he's an actor, mind you. Yeah. 
Now, that crowbar, and it bounced up and, I mean, it, it, first of all, it was, it was hanging right for his face. It, it didn't hit his teeth. It hit him in the tongue. And he was bleeding, and he started cursing. And I mean adult-sized, <laughs> realistic cursing. And after, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds, he calmed down, and he was holding his mouth, you know, and kind of checking the chiclets. Yep. And he, he stopped, and he gave me a lesson about cursing. He took a moment to teach me that those were bad words, but yet sometimes when people get hurt, they'll say them, and it doesn't excuse them. But that, you know, so he made he. He gave me a lesson about cursing after he had just dropped three or four F-bombs and several others. Oh, my gosh. Yes, and then he took himself to the emergency room. But not before you got your lesson, though. Yes. I mean, he had blood in his mouth. He was an actor. I'm sure he saw his career flashing before his eyes, and yet he he made sure he didn't say, come on, God damn it, follow me. Yeah. You know, which is what I probably would have done. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the beautiful things. And I see this in the trajectory of your dad's career and very much in yours as well, Clint. As your dad got older, he just got better and better. His performances got richer. And instead of slowing down, it seemed like he was doing a lot more work, a lot more substantial work, until he finally gets to this role in Appleseed where... He is the star of the film. It's something we never got to see from your dad before. And, and you... No, well, you know, he did... Michael Ward hired him in Broken Memories, and where he played a character named Jasper. And he mm -hmm. conversation. I, I am, as I talk about it, I am very, very, very grateful that I was able to do this part. That Because I work. I was actually, at that moment, I like did, had three projects going. You... Oh, you always have projects going. Well, eh, you know, not so much. But once, you know, I, it, it comes in clusters. But I went and did a Star, I did a Star Trek Discovery. I went to Cincinnati and worked on a little no-budget, um, like, family-friendly, um, what would you say? It's a, but not, you know, not a Christian movie, but family values movie. Mm-hmm. And I like this guy, Rich Cristiano. I, I, you know, his heart's in the right place, and I wish he made a little better movie, but, you know. So anyway, I was busy, and it worked out to where, you know, it was going to be not much trouble for me to go from, and where was I? I can't remember. I was in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. In North Carolina for me to fly up to Vermont and then, and then, you know, do my day's work and fly home. And, like, the day's work, they were all staying in bed and breakfast. They weren't staying in motels. Dad was bunking with others on this movie. Um, now, I stayed in a hotel, you know. I mean, that's kind of the way I roll. I don't, you know, I want to walk around naked. I don't <laughs> need to be in a bed at breakfast. Um, so, you know, um, Dad, Dad, may have, Dad may have been getting sick and just didn't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. age that he could make it for 15 days because dad was that kind of guy dad wanted to work end of the day i i'm, I'm you know my job is to live my life and be healthy and try to be good and, i mean try to do good work but i don't have any control i'm not the casting director the casting directors aren't even the casting directors in my opinion not anymore 
No, I, no, I think I think the big guy is the casting director. Um, I, you know, listen, I don't want to get metaphysical about it or anything, but I just think that, you know, God's been good to me, and I've been blessed. I've been blessed, you know, to be born to the set of parents I was born to. I was blessed to be the younger brother of a great example. Um, I've been blessed in so many ways, and you know what? I don't, but even when the casting directors book me for a job, it's like, it ain't the casting director. I'm supposed to have that job. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, here's the thing. I think, I think acting, it's, a lot of it is instinct. And I, for whatever reason, I think because Ron was an example and I had a great mentor and I started so young that it all sort of, it's like, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm like a circus kid that walks the tightrope and everybody goes, oh, the kid, he's walking the tightrope. Well, no, if you learn how to walk while walking the tightrope, it's going to make walking the tightrope rope easier. Mm -hmm. And Ron told me one time, and this is, it's been 10 years since he said this, he was cutting something and he goes, you know what? You have the best instincts. You are never in the wrong spot in a shot where like, you know, if, if they're supposed to be over my shoulder or if I'm supposed to kind of open up at a certain time, I, he goes, you and Randy Quaid were the two guys that always, because he worked with Randy on the paper. Mm-hmm. Randy That's right. Time, I worked with him on the race and the paper. Because Randy was one of those guys. He always had those instincts to be in the right spot, you know, with the right beat and stuff. And, you know, listen, I again, I, I'm grateful. Dad was an unbelievable mentor. But I had an example. I had an older brother who was doing it, too. And I watched him do it. And it's a little bit like a kid who's the younger brother of a baseball player, you know. And listen, I'm going to hit miss. You know, I'm going to hit better because I'm watching him do it. I have confidence that he can do it. I can do it. You know, I Ron blazed the trail, and I saw him, and I just, you know, I got in his, I got in his wake. You know, and uh, listen, I'm my own guy, and I'm a lot different than Ron. You know, but. It, 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 what a wonderful example. What a wonderful example he was. And people always ask me, what's it like being Ron Howard's brother? And well, it's better than being Charlie Manson's brother. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if you've got to be in the shadow of somebody, Ron is probably the coolest, most peaceful shadow you could possibly be in. And, and you know, it, 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 it he was a, he's a better big brother than he is a film director. And I know he's a good film director. Aww. But he, he's been a great big, big brother. He was a great big brother when I was little. And he was a great big, big brother throughout my life. And it still is. Because you're, you're in the film, your dad's in the film, it's got its world premiere on the 13th at Dances with Films. I got to talk to Ron about it first. Yeah. I think it's going to work. I hope I hope they can get it in the hands of a distributor that, you know, I mean, it's never going to be a big theatrical thing, but, but I tell you what, I think it's the kind of movie that, that you know, there are so many platforms yeah. for people to view entertainment that, you know, the one note I had to Michael was, man, you know, keep working it, keep cutting it, keep getting it tighter. I mean, that's Ron's mantra. Tighten that son of a bitch down. No, Ron told me the first cut, the cut that the whole family saw was about 216, 220. When, and he said the problem was Michael didn't want to cut any of your dad's scenes. 
I know. And it got repetitive. Yeah. So the cut I saw was down to about 201. No, I agree. I agree. And I just, for the, and also, listen, this this generation now has a thing called an escape button. And, and if, if it ain't moving, and if it's not telling the story and people wander in there mentally, boy, they'll wander right to that escape button. You know, that's why you get, also too, you know, tell the story. At the end of the day, when you're finally cutting the thing and you finally got it, you, you need to you need to go by, go beat by beat through the story. And if the if any moment in the film is not moving the story or getting a laugh, then you got to question why is it in the movie. But ultimately, we're storytellers and we're entertainers. I, and I admire him. I I I, I admired him when he, you know I saw his work on um, uh, Broken Memories. Mm-hmm. And then when I worked with him on um, on Appleseed, I I thought, wow, this guy is he's good, you know, he is good. I've got some friends coming. I've got people that I want to see. You know, listen, it's going to be limited to have a chance to see this film on the screen. You know, I have friends that I, you know, they, guys, if you, I know you can see it at home, but you know, first of all, come down and support the festival. I mean, I'm proud, and it's nice that it's the opening night film. Um, and and uh, you know, hey. Let's paper the let's paper the crowd a little bit, and I always tell my friends, you know, be vocal. You know, if you feel like clapping, clap. Yep. You know, please. Oh no, well listen, we'll have you know, I don't know who's going to be around, and uh, it's always great to have Ron's support, and 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 you know, from the standpoint of publicity, and just from the standpoint of, of him being my brother. Um, you know, I also just for some reason I believe that. If this picture gets in front of people, it's going to get some traction. How can it miss? It, it moves along. It's yep. an Odyssey movie that kind of clicks along. There's not a lot of action, but there's some, you know, Robbie's really good. I think it'll, it'll, it'll appeal to a good demographic. It won't go real young. It's not going to skew young. It'll skew okay. And it, how much of an investment as a district, how much can it be? This movie can play in a lot of different countries, too. It's not an action movie, but it's Americana. And um, it's it's got something that you can kind of hang your hat on, you know? And that was Clint Howard talking about Appleseed, Ron Howard, Rance Howard, Michael Worth. And speaking of Michael Worth, welcome, Michael Worth, my fellow Philadelphian. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for welcoming me. I am so thrilled to have you on the show. Sorry you're coming on a little late, but I didn't want to cut down on all of what Clint had to say about you and this wonderful film, Appleseed. Oh, well, then in that case, I will wait as long as you want. <laughs> you, got, you got a fan in the two Howard brothers, let me tell you. Oh, that, that's very humbling to hear, but thank you very much. Uh, I know Ron, very impressed with your work on this film and your work in general. Clint uh, likes how you shoot fast and, you know, your vision for the film. Um, you know, and you, and he got to have a hotel room so he could walk around naked. So, uh, you know, you can't beat That's that. Clint, there you go. I, this is just, this is such a, such a wonderful film, Michael. And you have, not only are you directing this you wrote this. You're directing it, and you you co-star 
opposite Rance Howard. It's essentially a two-hander is what this really is. And the two of you are on screen for, what, 90% of the film, if not more? Yeah, I would say that's about right. It's pretty much a, a funny picture for that, in that reason, so yeah. You know, you have such an eclectic background of films that you've done. You started your career as an actor, um, and needless to say, you had me at playing a vampire in two episodes of Buffy, even though you didn't get credited. Um, You know, you got these priorities in life, um, but so eclectic. But here you, you do, it's a road, it's essentially, it's a road picture, it's a character study. And it is, you know, um, Clint used the right word for the film as a whole, Americana. Um, where did the idea for Appleseed come from? The, the, the actual real seed of the story came when I was shooting a movie with um, Rant up in um, Flagstaff. We were doing a movie for the Sci-Fi Channel. And I, and, and I was sitting there some, at that time, he was in his late 70s. And I remember going, no, this is that this is like the ultimate actor to me. The guy that's been tooling around in this business for, you know, decades and decades has been doing these small character roles and somebody's popping in for a line or two and I'm popping out. And yet he is the happiest guy on set. He shows up on time. He's picked around until he's no longer needed. I mean, his, his appreciation for being there, I thought, blinded me compared to everybody else. And so I came up with the idea to write something for him that would give him a lead. Like I thought, God, if I could, if I could pay somebody back, it would be by writing a lead role for them to, to do, you know. Um, and so that was sort of the, the scene of it. But then the idea of the road adventure came in, because I'm a big fan of road films, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Down for Glory, uh, Emperor of the North, Tulane Blackstock, Grace of Wrath, and on and on and on. Um, and this idea of sort of um, traveling spirit, you know, across America. It's always something I try to live out of my own life, but then I love watching uh, manifested on screen. So mm-hmm. hence, hence it began. Well, you know, and the thing is, one of the great things about a road picture, it also gives you an opportunity as a filmmaker. You really get to play with more tools in the toolbox uh, in terms of your cinematography and your editing as you're journeying, uh, you know, making this journey across the country or, or wherever you're or whatever is, is happening. Uh, and you really make the most out of the tools in your toolbox here. I got to tell you, Michael, um, you have. Wow, some... well, that's, that's nice thing. You know, I mean, considering the fact that, you know, we had very little money and very little time to do this, and I, I knew the only way I was going to get it done, because there was a, initially this idea of trying to shoot it all in, you know, one point, you know, like to just take it for everywhere across the state. And I said, I, I think the only way we're going to be able to do this is if we literally shoot it as we travel, and that's kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have, to, I, I have to give huge, huge props to your cinematographer, um, I mean, really some beautiful, beautiful work um, with the interiors, with the framing. Some of your lighting is, it's absolutely magical, especially when we get into the into the Vermont region uh, where the bulk of this was, was taking place. And you get to that lake and just absolutely stunning. The scenes with Robbie Benson. And the the aerial shot, drone shots, because it looks like you were using a drone for a couple of those. I, I doubt you had money for a crane. Uh, so, but we actually we actually had 
means we're going to get some production done. But, um, you know, on that note, when you just said, that's really the case. And one of the reasons I became a director was for that reason, because of the visuals. You know, I'm a, I'm a camera buff from, from way back when I was a kid. I went every kind of camera from Super 8 to 8 to 16 to 35 millimeter. And, um, and it's like, um, the, for me, it was the stepping from in front of the camera behind the camera was about learning how to use the frame to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, depending on the cinematographer I work with, like Chai, who you mentioned, you know, we, we get along great. Because Chai knows when he when he gets on the set, he you know he, he says to me, you know, what camera do we use? What lenses do you want? Because that's you know my my background in cinematography. Is we get along together that way. And I work with cinematographers that kind of come on and want to become the director of photography. <laughs> I say, well, that, the term doesn't exactly work on my set usually, but I'm open for collaboration. You know, because I have a very specific way that I. You know, I mean, in the end, there are some directors that like to just work with actors and, and sort of let somebody else figure out how to shoot it. But for me, shooting it is, you know, 80% of the story anyway. You know, what's on what's on frame and what's out of frame, what kind of lighting is telling your story, what kind of colors are telling your story, where the positioning of the, the actors are. It all tells stories in different levels, you know. Well, you know, and the lighting on this one, it is, it is so... It in twenty twenty hindsight, it's more it's more metaphorical and more prescient than you possibly could have known when you were filming. But we have so many scenes of you know the setting sun or you know the sun. It's past high noon, and I see that in the in the angles that you've chosen uh, to, for your framing to shoot with. And you know, as we know, you know, we ended up losing rants not you know not too long ago, but it adds your visual tonal bandwidth and that precision of your lighting and of your, your camera positioning and your framing, it really adds another layer to this particular story because of real life. And, well, and I really I, loved I, seeing I, that. Loved seeing that in this film, well, Michael. I, you know, I, I mean, if you, I, you know, it's like, it's such a, it's, it's so hard for me because I'm, I, I get in my, approach to filming, it's, it's a very contrived idea of how I want to shoot something, but then I don't want it to come across that way. So you're trying to, it's an interesting balance you walk. Mm-hmm. You want to have a specific idea in your head of a, a composition of a frame of, of the light. Like, for one thing I was always trying to do is to watch. Every time I had the sun in the background, I tried to put ramp in the, the sun shot. So mm-hmm. I would always have this little bit of a sparkle always over top of him, and that mm-hmm. was always sort of my idea of it. You know the angel aspect of him, you know, yeah. and so. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to overdo it where the audience is going. Oh, I see why they're picking this angle because it's going up this. Yeah, uh, you know, and you brought you brought up two of my favorite things. You brought up camera and lenses. So, what yes. what were you shooting on, and what lenses did, were you using? Did you go anamorph? You know, what what was your decision here? I, I, I showed Nitty Alexa because I'd, I'd worked with it before, okay. and on this um, on this particular film, I knew we were going to be working off the Ronin a lot because one of the things I wanted to do is constantly keep the camera in a sort of state of, of movement because mm-hmm. it was a road movie, and I thought, you know, that might be an interesting way to tell this is just kind of keep the camera in some sense that are moving. So poor Chai, who was, you know, doubling as my camera operator, he had that Ronin rig on him for, like, I'd say 80% of the movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh. um, so the, and then I, uh, I 
really wanted to shoot with anamorphic lenses just because of the nature of, you know, being out in the open and we're going to be shooting in Arizona and Vermont. Yeah. And I actually was going to open the film up it's with the 4 by 3 format. I was going to start the film off oh. right and he's in town and, and I was going to basically sort of open it up into 235 as it went along, but I, I realized that it was going to take such sort of forethought and um, a bit of, just a bit of work to, to get that to not feel too over the head, like, oh, look at these guys with their toys trying to impress us, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. I ended up just letting it settle in that frame. Um, but I love the anamorphic lens. I love the way it, it plays with the light. I lo- and I just, this film just stuck out at me. If I had used spherical lenses, I don't think it would have quite had the same effect. Yeah, no, I don't think spherical would have had this, would have resulted in the same visual effect here. Um, you know, and hand in hand with this, you're editing. Because of the fact, as we're moving along on this road trip, we have, you know, great people popping in and out. You know, Adrian Barbeau, who we don't see as much anymore, is a waitress who, you know, Clint Howard's character, of Car- uh, Rance Howard's character of Carl brings a smile to her face um, with kindness. Robbie Benson, um, who pops up. Yeah. Of course, Clint. I mean, and of course, yourself. Um and I see, and you really, you vary the lighting in the camera as we're going across the country with each of these significant people that are popping up. So that it, they're like little vin, little moments in time that you're capturing. And it, the editing, I've got to say, Junior Bonner's editing um, really works well. There's, a, there's an ebb and flow and a cohesiveness that I really like with this storytelling. Since, uh, since uh, nobody's listening to you and I talking right now, I'm going to tell you a secret, but don't tell anybody. Okay. I, in fact, I'm just going to say this. Junior Bonner is one of my favorite Steve McQueen movies. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Yes. So, and I know who edited this film. So, uh, you know, I know who did it, but I'm playing along with hey, this. Steve, Steve Soderbergh, Martin Scorsese, they all got in there and did their own movies for a while. Yep. So, you know, I've got to ask you, um, because yeah. of the your writing, your directing, you're doing other you're, and you're acting and not just a cameo popping in like a Hitchcock or something. Um, this is, as I said, it, it, this is essentially a two hander between you and Rance. Um, how do you juggle all of the hats? Is is the writer, Michael, precious with his words is is Junior precious with his editing, with scenes not landing on the cutting room floor? Is Michael desperate for more screen time that director Michael won't let him have? You know, how, do, how yeah. does all all of these hats, how does that come into play? You know, I'll say it's always, um, it's always an interesting dynamic when I approach it that way because it's, the, the fact that I find that directing and acting are almost diametrically opposed to each other in so many ways because as an actor you're needing to let go and let every moment be fresh to you hopefully you know every everything that comes I mean granted you have to have a certain understanding of where your blocking is etc but you need to sort of lose that in your performance whereas a director it's almost the opposite you're so hyper aware of how everything's appearing and looking so they there, this is why, since I was a kid, my, I've been fascinated with Harold Lloyd, with Woody Allen, with Clint Eastwood, you know, Sylvester Stallone, these people, Orson Welles, you know, 
that manage to go out there and do these dynamic films with themselves in them. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't always like to do it, but that's a specific reason because I'm, I love working the camera myself. When I'm not in the film, I tend to operate as much as possible just because I don't want to sit here and explain it to an operator what I want and rather sure. go out and do it. This next, next film that I'm prepping right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct and not act in for that reason. But um, that's why having somebody like Chai, who, who we have, we've, we've worked together now on a number of movies where we've gone off and both been cameramen on it, or, or as, as an actor, and he's, you know, I've, I've relied on him quickly for, for making sure he knows. Like, we have a shorthand with each other. Like, I'll say, okay, we're going to do a Terrence Malick, or we're going to, let's quickly, let's think of Long Car Y as we go into this, or what. And then he knows exactly what I'm talking about. So um, I think I need somebody like that because on a shoot this quick, I'm not always able to go, okay, let me see what I sure. did. Nor do I want to. You know, sometimes as an actor, you shoot something. It's not like you want to go back now and look at it because then you're going to start morphing your performance. Like, oh, look at this, uh, my angle of my face. I better turn my face away from mm-hmm. the lens. And if you start getting self-conscious, then you're going to start screwing up your, your acting. So... I pretty much don't like to look at it except in critical moments where I go, I, I need to just make sure I'm, I'm standing on the right side of frame or so-and-so is in the lighting or whatever. There may be a critical thing I need to check. But then as an editor, I can sometimes come back later and, and look at it and go, okay, let's, let's get rid of takes number two and three and these four or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, talk to me about the music in the film. I love the music in the film. Uh, yeah. I love the, I love what Ian Hatton has done with the music in the film. What were you looking for well, you, for this for the oral experience? Well, because for me, the road trip, when I think road trip, I think music. You know, I think you turn on the radio and you drive wherever you're driving. You have to pump a road trip along, right? And and from the very very beginning, before we even started shooting a single digital frame of this movie, um, I said I want to start pulling music in first so I can do. A Sergio Leone approach and, and and time some of the shots to an actual song. Mm-hmm. So Corey Chisel, who did the, the the vast majority of the song, in fact, originally I was not going to compose any music to this at all. I just wanted to do two songs, and I was going to have just like a, a score that was just based on original songs. But then it just started to get a little bit difficult to make it. I thought a work on the emotional uh, levels I wanted without having a score in it. But um, Ian, who just, you know, is a phenomenal, phenomenal composer, just knew, he came in with that just organic bluegrass sort of, uh, and again, I, I threw things at him like, you know, Balance the Glory, et cetera, to watch and just kind of get the vibe of that almost throwback to the 1930s and 40s depression mm-hmm. era, you know, where that's what I want. I, want the, I don't want the music to overpower what's going on. I just sort of hover underneath it. And um, so you had a lot of Sweetwater who did a lot of the tracks and Corey Kinsey did a number of them and then he and filling in the blank where we just went to school. But again, it's a, it's a, a road picture so it was so specific about the music um, and was just so happy with it. It's actually by far the, the best musical score I've gotten from the film so far. Yeah, no, I mean, I really like it and I like the bluegrass feeling. I like what the throwback because it really fits with Rance's character of Carl Robbins, um, right. you know, because he has, you can tell, he wears life. He wears it on his face. He wears it in his posture. He wears it in his walk. He wears it in his stance. He'd been around for a long, long time. 
Um, so it really, it fits that. But, it, so I really like that. And as you said, it doesn't overpower the story. And so often, yeah, so often that can happen. Yeah. You know, and I understand you don't want to, like, you know, like, you don't want to use the music per se to say, okay, make him sad here or make him happy here, you know? Hopefully, without the music, that's going to be the case. And sometimes the music is just there to sort of put the musical arm around the audience member and say, let's, let's pack in this together in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's always a, that's always a, you know, a chore, getting that right. Mm-hmm. So, how excited are you for Thursday night to be the opening night film for Dances with Films? Uh, my goodness, my goodness. Well, uh, first of all, I'm beyond honored, beyond, beyond, beyond honored. And, and, and I was so happy we just got into the film and that when they came back to us and said we were going to open it, um, I didn't, you know, I just couldn't be more grateful. Um, I got to admit, you know, there's so much in the preparation of it, you kind of it's creeping up on you, so it's going to probably hit, and we're going to be like, oh, we're here. Well, and you should be. And, and, you know, as Clint told me, he's going to be there for the Q&A on Thursday night. Uh, So that'll be, that'll be you, of course. Please don't get tongue-tied. I will try not to. I will try not to. I'm hoping Robbie Benson shows up, too. Pardon? I'm hoping that Robbie shows up, too. Mm. Well, you know. Ron told me he might because he should be shooting it. He's he's down in Atlanta shooting Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, oh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie should. I would think he may come, especially since he and Clint have reconnected through this film. Um, yeah, Clint told me great stories about he and Robbie when Robbie lived across the street from Rance's house. It's like, all right. You've got everybody, you've got six degrees, you've got three degrees of separation going on in this film, Michael. Uh, it's <laughs> Not only that, but it's like there's a number of father-son combinations. Because, you know, you've got, you've got Rance and his son, you know, Clint. You've got Robbie, and Robbie's son is in the movie, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then um, the character of Rob McKinsey, who plays that, there's a groom character in the story, a fiancé character. His son, real life, now, I got, I got to ask you now, in 2020 hindsight, before we run out of time here, how important, sure. how important or how much does it mean to you the fact that you are the one that gave Rance and Clint their father-son moment on film? You know, I got to say, when you say that, it's, First off, and when I when, when I wrapped that day, and when I walked off the set, I turned to both of them, and, and, I, and I, I turned to a number of people actually. And I walked off going, and, and I'm partly making the fact that I got to remove myself as an actor and really sit back and just sort of coordinate the way I wanted to coordinate it. But I said, you know, that was my best day of directing for the specific reason that a I was working with two actors I felt like were so connected, so dynamic, so unacting, and so passionate about what they were doing that, like, we had directed readings of, number one. And number two, the, the sort of decisions that I was making, because I'm always trying to choose risky decisions most of the time on a set, and they either, you know, pay off great or fall flat in space. But I, I could even just tell the way that the decisions I had made that day were 
Well, I, I'm going to be there Thursday night just because I want to see this on the big screen. Uh, so I can't thank you enough for calling in today, Michael. This is an absolute joy um, speaking with you. And I would love to have you back on the show and talk about some of these other films. And, you know, what's really piquing my interest is what you have coming up, Clown versus Vampires. I, I, <laughs> sorry, you know? That 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 really wow. just that yeah. piques my interest here. Clown versus vampires. <laughs> I'm rooting. I'm for, it's, it's an interesting one. I am rooting for the vampires. <laughs> okay, all right, good. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you, thank you so much. And again, everybody can see Appleseed Thursday night. Dances with films opening night film at the Chinese Theater Com Theater Six upstairs. Michael, thank you again. I will see you on Thursday night. I'll see you Thursday. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Michael. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. And that was Michael Wirth, writer, director, actor. And, yeah, he did something else, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, so that is all the time we have for today. Dances with Films, 13th through the 23rd. Check it out if you're in Los Angeles. There's a lot of really great films. I mentioned some of them at the top of the show. And there are still tickets available. Uh, and for the uh, opening night of Appleseed as well. That is all the time we have. Next week, as I said, we've got Brent uh, Brett Brentman, the director of 90 Feet From Home, which is at Dances With Films. Brett will be joining us. And uh, another guest that I'm waiting for confirmation on, an A-list talent. Uh, so, until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens. Mm -hmm.